everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented to you by Prize Picks. I am Lauren Carpenter. You can find me at Stepmom Lauren, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We always have good shows, but I think it's going to be a really great show today because we are looking at waiver wire targets for week four. We're also going to talk a little bit about the uh, 7-Eleven challenge from uh, yours truly and Pat Mayo that, um, I don't know, did it could have gone just a, a little bit better. We also have some streaming options. We have some injuries that we have to go over. But before we begin and before we dive into any of that, remember, make sure you sign up for Prize Picks. That is prizepicks.com. Use the promo code MMN to get your deposit of up to $100 matched. It's like free money. I feel like I've been beating the drum for this. I love prize picks. It is so easy. It is so fun. Please get in on it. There's still time for you to get in on the 7-Eleven challenge as well. And what that is, it's very easy. We're looking at the Sunday slate of games. Pick out five over-unders and then change your bet amount to $7.11. And normally, on today's episode, I would have the leaderboard for you, Alan W. I'm still got my eyes on you to see if you're still in first place. But unfortunately, the leaderboard has not been updated yet. There are so many entries that they have because so many people have been involved, which is super fun because the 7-Eleven challenge is great. If you haven't signed up yet, everyone, again, promo code MMN. Your deposit is matched up to $100. Five over-unders for that 7-Eleven challenge. Change your bet amount to $7.11 because that is how they track it. And without further ado, um, let's go ahead and jump right in because mine, I felt great about this. I felt so good. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get five out of five. This is going to be great. And that didn't happen. It did not happen. So my over-unders, I was thinking they were going to be just absolutely spectacular. I went Brandon Cooks, which I did end up getting correctly, even with Davis Mills in at quarterback. I had him at five and a half receptions on the over. I got that correct. Unfortunately, um, Teddy Bridgewater did not exceed the 255 and a half. I'm very sorry, Jess. My bad. I told her it was a smash play. Not so much. He got close. He got to 235 passing yards. But unfortunately, the game script just wasn't there for a passing quarterback when they were just annihilating the Jets. So there really wasn't much need to pass. Also, KJ Hamler got hurt. We'll talk about that later. I also had Christian McCaffrey. Speaking of injuries, I had him at five and a half receptions. He did not get that before he left the game with an injured hamstring. He got two receptions, so obviously I didn't get that one. I also had Keenan Allen, and I had over on 82 and a half, which I thought was a smash play, but unfortunately he only got 50. So I didn't get that one right either, but I did nail Sam Darnold. That sounded really bad. I nailed that pick, I should say, at six and a half over on the rushing yards. And Pat Mayo did a little bit better than I did uh, by one, okay? It wasn't like he blew me out of the water, okay, people? But he did have Christian Kirk, which I thought was a little spicy, but apparently not because it's Christian Kirk season from what it sounds like. He had the over on 44 and a half receiving yards, and Christian Kirk ended up with 104. He had the under on Ben Roethlisberger, which I totally understand, but he had the under of 260 and a half passing yards. He ended up throwing for 318 because they have no passing game. I'm sorry, no running game still. Najee Harris, I still love you. Michael Carter, he had the over on one and a half receptions. Excellent choice. I must have missed that one. Terry McLaurin, he had the under on 71 and a half receiving yards. Uh, That was correct because Terry McLaurin, 
McLaurin, even though he did play well, only got 62 yards. And then finally, Mike Evans. He did the under on 64.5. I get that one too. Uh, but Mike Evans ended up doing 106 yards. So, you know, he got three out of five. I got two out of five. But this is what makes this game so much fun. It is educated guessing. And there are so many different ways that we can play fantasy football and have a great time playing fantasy football. And using that promo code MMN will help you have even more fun when you get your deposit of up to $100 matched. Um, I did it and I love it and it's kind of my new obsession. But we unfortunately have to get into stuff that is not fun and those are injuries. We had a lot. So the big one, we all know, Christian McCaffrey. He went out early with a hamstring injury, kind of did a little hop, skip, and a jump there when he was, you know, making a run and it, it did not look good. So they combined like Tommy Tremble, Sam Darnold, Chuba Hubbard. I mean, no matter what, you're just not going to get Christian McCaffrey type numbers. But unfortunately, that's what we're going to have to deal with. So I am obviously going to be bringing up Chuba Hubbard here later when it comes to the running back waivers that you should be targeting. The good news is, is that the Panthers do not believe they're going to be putting Christian McCaffrey on IR. So this means about two weeks, maybe three weeks. So this is better news, but unfortunately, hamstring injuries just have a tendency to linger. And that's really, really annoying because we had a couple players go out with a hamstring injury. Um, and two of them were from the Giants. And one of them is one of my favorite players for fantasy who ended up really letting me down, although it's not really his fault because he got injured. But it's Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both left early with a hamstring injury. AJ Brown also left early with a hamstring injury. It's like it's hamstring injury season. Not good, because those are just long-lasting and just, oh, they're garbage. And as someone who has actually suffered a pulled hamstring, it is miserable. It is absolutely miserable. So speedy recovery to all of those players. We also have some unfortunate news out of Denver, which is very sad. KJ Hamler um, has likely torn his ACL, and he's done for the season. That stinks because, as my, my good friend Laquan, who does the Sunday recap shows, mentioned, they are thin at the Denver Broncos wide receiver core. They really have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Um, another one that I think is a must-add is going to be Tim Patrick, if you have not done so already. But another speedy recovery to K.J. Hamler. He's one of those deep field threats that will be missed in that Denver offense. So, ugh, so stinky. Juju Smith-Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is dealing with a rib injury. He is considered day-to-day, -day, so that is good-ish. At least he's not, you know, getting put on IR or whatever. But without Juju Smith-Schuster and without Deontay Harris, this turned into a weird game because Ben Roethlisberger really can't target Chase Claypool because he's a deep threat and Ben Roethlisberger can't throw it very far. So this actually speaks a little bit more to Pat Fryermuth, which is who I'm going to be bringing up later in our tight end waiver targets. And then Justin Fields was sacked nine times. So that hurts. And he's obviously questionable because when you literally get hit by a car nine times, also known as, well, Miles Garrett did it four and a half times, but Justin Fields also has a hand injury. So Matt Nagy has said that the starting quarterback position is now completely up in the air. It could be Andy Dalton if he's healthy. It could be Justin Fields. And even Nick Foles is in play here for the Bears. This is not good for their offense. Uh, that whole situation was a was a hot mess for Justin Fields and it was he ran into the buzzsaw of the Browns defense and Miles Garrett literally ate him like lasagna it was it was bad 
And James White also had a hip sublocation. I couldn't say this the last time when we were talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think I got it right. Popped in, popped out, not good. Um, he likely is looking at injured reserve, but nothing has been decided yet. This is Monday evening when I am recording this for you, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with James White. This stinks for Mac Jones because uh, James White was a target there uh, to put points on the board. So another speedy recovery to all of these players. Um, but, you know, the show must go on, and we really do need to make some changes to our lineups if we have any of these players or if we want to make any adjustments or, you know, just kind of shake things up a little bit because we're heading into week four already. I do this every year. I'm like, I cannot believe it's already week four. Oh my gosh, but here we are. So let's dive right into the waiver wire segment. Let's talk about our wide receivers. Now, there are a lot, but first and foremost, Go ahead and see if Christian Kirk is available. It's likely that he's not because he is rostered in over 50% of leagues, but if he is, pick him up. It looks like he and A.J. Green might actually be something, which is is pretty cool. We have, we have another player who's a veteran resurgence for 2021, which is very exciting. But see if Christian Kirk is available because if he is, I would add him. I was low on him heading into week three, but shame on me for that because... I liked it. Actually, there's two other players that are kind of veteran resurgence, which I really like. But if uh, you are in one of those deeper leagues, perhaps, maybe the 14 teams or, God forbid, 16 teams, first of all, what are you doing? Get out of that. Go go to something smaller. That's just way too much. But Nick Westbrook, um, Ikine, I think I said that correctly, from the Titans, he is not rostered anywhere. Uh, well, at least at Yahoo. He might be in other places, but doubtful that it's very much. With A.J. Brown... As I mentioned, sidelined with a hamstring injury for who knows how long. Um, it was uh, Nick Westbrook who who got involved, and uh, he went four for four with 53 yards and one touchdown. Now this will likely be touchdown dependent because don't forget there is still Julio Jones. Um, but if you are in deep leagues, like I mentioned, and if you're desperate, you can add him. He's likely very free, and he will probably still be on my dumpster dive segment uh, on Wednesday when I hopefully have a leaderboard for you from Price Picks as well. So um, Nick Westbrook, that is someone that you should keep your eye on. I don't necessarily think this involves a first priority waiver claim or a lot of fab, because um, like I said, he could be free after waivers have run. They play the Jets, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then they also play Buffalo. Um, it's not great, but if you're missing A.J. Brown, he may be used by default. Also, Anthony Ferkser was not active on Sunday either. And uh, one of those players, like I wanted to mention, that's the veteran resurgence, Emmanuel Sanders. Hi. You're awesome. He did so great. And I am remiss because I do the Sunday morning live Q&A to help you with your starts and sits. And I kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit about Emmanuel Sanders. And then I ended up backing off on this because I figured this would be a Stefan Diggs game since he really hasn't gotten going quite yet with the Bills offense. But no, I was wrong. It was Emmanuel Sanders. Guys, he had six targets, five receptions, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. Do you have any idea how heartbreaking this was for me, for that one person that asked if they should start Emmanuel Sanders, and I said no. I feel like a horrible human being, but this happens in fantasy football. Like I said, it is educated guessing. He is 26% rostered, and if Josh Allen is going to continue throwing the rock like he's been doing, why not? If you need a wide receiver, if you need somebody to fill in, he has done very well. And don't know how sustainable it is. This is a... Um, one I don't absolutely love, but if he can continue to get 
six targets. I mean, that's something. That is something that can put points on the board for you if you are desperate at the wide receiver position. They play Houston, Kansas City, and then Tennessee over the next three weeks. And then yet to play tonight in this game, because I'm recording this actually right at the start of the Monday night game, Jalen Rager is someone I think you should keep your eyes on, but he is 25% rostered. He could have had a pretty explosive game if he wouldn't have stepped out of bounds in week two. But in week one, he had a big game against Atlanta because let's face it, who doesn't? Six targets, six receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and again, week two would have been pretty big if uh, he wouldn't have stepped out of bounds and gotten that touchdown. Um, it, it was also kind of a weird game. It week two for the Eagles, so I'm kind of tossing that up as a little fluky. Now, Jalen Rager is a big playability guy. He may be a little bit more boomer bust, but just realize that when you're putting him on your roster. That's the kind of person that Jalen Rager is, but um, see how he did Monday against Dallas because he hasn't played yet, so maybe it's going to be really good, and then I'll look like a fortune teller, which I'm, I guess I'm, I'm trying to be anyway because this is fantasy football. We're trying to tell the future with these people's fantasy lives. They play Kansas City, Carolina, and Tampa Bay. This is a pretty decent schedule for the Eagles wide receivers moving forward. And as I mentioned before, the situation in Denver is kind of bleak. So if you have not added Tim Patrick, or God forbid if Cortland Sutton is still out there, swoop him up immediately. But Tim Patrick is still 23% rostered, despite the fact that I have been beating the drum for this kid, and I will continue to do so as long as he remains under 40% rostered. I, I really don't get it. He's had double-digit fantasy scores so far in 2021. And then uh, in last in this week, he went 5 for 5 with 98 yards. I mean, that's great. So put him on your team. I mean, even if it's trade value later or something, if you need a wide receiver or even a flex spot, this is the guy that you should pick up. Tim Patrick, available in 23% of rosters for the Denver Broncos. And another one um, really surprised me. Both Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards... I liked Hunter Renfro because I love his target volume, but Brian Edwards also surprised me as well. And Derek Carr has been red hot, and the Raiders have been red hot, and they're really trying to revamp themselves and prove themselves in the NFL. And, and I like that because they're playing like it. And these games are getting close. They're going into overtime, and Derek Carr has got to be slinging the rock, and he targets Hunter Renfro a lot. He targets Henry Ruggs a lot and he targets Brian Edwards as well in clutch long plays. So all three of these guys have the opportunity to give you value on your fantasy team. So Hunter Renfro is only 11% rostered. He has had double digit fantasy points as well in all three weeks so far this season. And with it banged up Josh Jacobs, let me just add on to that. They're going to be throwing it a lot as well, especially when they're in these tight matchups and games anyway. So Brian Edwards is 17% rostered. He went um, 5 for 3 with 89 yards. That's 5 targets, 3 receptions. And Henry Ruggs, a little bit more rostered in other places as opposed to uh, Renfro and Edwards. Henry Ruggs is 55% rostered, so there is a possibility that he's still out there. And if he is, swoop him up. They play the Chargers. They play Chicago, and then they play Denver. This is actually a pretty good schedule. Chicago's a little iffy. Um, but again, I'm not really sure if it matters because Derek Carr is kind of proven that he's matchup proof so far oh knock on wood that I didn't just curse him right there but they're they're not slowing down and this is looking really good for the Raiders so I like any three of those players from the Raiders Hunter Renfro is going to be your safer player safer floor um, Brian Edwards is going to be uh, the more likely available of your deep field play guys and uh, Henry Ruggs is going to be the one you want to swoop up before those two if he happens to be available and as I mentioned before with the Cardinals in this veteran resurgence we have AJ Green. Okay, I kind of laughed at this, 
prior to the start of the season. But um, is this redemption for A.J. Green? He has had double-digit fantasy points in the last two weeks. And this week, he went 6-for-5 with 112. Like, this is no joke. Now, granted, um, DeAndre Hopkins is banged up. So that could be a reason why we see such a huge, or saw such a huge game from Christian Kirk, as well as from A.J. Green. But... He's got some bruised ribs. I mean, this isn't really easy to, I, I mean, I'm going to sound super like weird here, but I've also cracked and bruised my ribs. I was stepped on by a horse. Long story. Those are not easy to get over, okay? So it is possible that we're going to see a hobbled DeAndre Hopkins for a few weeks. And if that's the case, Christian Kirk and A.J. Green, man. So A.J. Green is rostered in 15% of leagues. They face the Rams. They play San Francisco. And then they play Cleveland at Cleveland. It is not a good schedule, but again, this is a similar situation than what we see with the Raiders. Does it really matter with Kyler Murray? You know, does it doesn't matter with the way that he's playing? And with AJ Green being so good at what he does and being such a solid veteran with so many seasons under his belt, like is it gonna matter? I'm not sure if it will. So I don't feel too bad picking up AJ Green if you are in need of a wide receiver, which is pretty great. And again, another veteran resurgence player. I feel like I don't know, 2016 is calling and they want all their players back. But Deshaun Jackson, okay, he is only 2% rostered. Now, there's a pretty deep history here with Deshaun Jackson and Sean McVay. And he did make a promise that he was going to get Deshaun Jackson involved. And oh my gosh, did he. He was 5 for 3 with 120 yards and a touchdown. Now, if you're not familiar with who Deshaun Jackson is, maybe you're new to fantasy, this is kind of his bread and butter. He is a deep threat but man, he is fast. And when he gets the ball, you cannot stop him. He is so good. He is older, so he's a little bit more injury risk, if you will. But if you need someone, he is only 2% rostered. He is going to be that home run guy for you. Um, When it's going to happen, I don't know. But I, I feel like I have a little bit more confidence in this than I did maybe a few weeks ago, simply because of Matt Stafford's willingness to keep targeting players that really pull through for him like Cooper Cup is a big one and now maybe Deshaun Jackson like it's it's almost like the Cooper Cup is his Kenny Galladay and then the Marvin Jones Jr. is his Deshaun Jackson he does not like to move away from guys that he trusts and he knows that they can move the plays forward so I do not hate adding Deshaun Jackson The Rams are facing Arizona, Seattle, and the Giants. So, I mean, it's pretty decent for them. But again, we're talking about Matt Stafford here, and I I like this. I like this, even if it's a speculative ad. This is another player I will likely be bringing up in our streamer's dumpster dive um, video on Wednesday. So if you don't want to burn a waiver claim, if you don't want to maybe put in any fab or really deal with dropping anyone quite yet, totally get it. Because I think you can wait on Deshaun Jackson until... Until maybe waivers have passed, but you know this could be this could blow up in my face. Who knows? But I I really like what I saw from that team. I like what the Rams are doing, and as a better St. Louisan, I really like the Rams this year. And I may be turning back into a Rams fan. Like Laquan, what have you done to me? The struggle is real. But let's move away from our wide receivers. Let's go ahead and jump into our running backs. And like I mentioned, there is one obvious one we have to bring up here. It is Chuba Hubbard for the Panthers. He is the clear backup to Christian McCaffrey. He's also only 25% rostered, which is a little odd considering it's Christian McCaffrey. But that is okay. He is the obvious ad. 
You're not gonna get Christian McCaffrey type production from anyone. I don't care who you are, but Chuba Hubbard is going to be your volume-based play. He is going to be the one that is going to be seeing a ton of work. And even when they sprinkle in a little bit of Royce Freeman, which I don't love, because he might be kind of like the Latavius Murray and just kind of steal touchdowns, so very touchdown dependent, which I don't like as much, Chuba Hubbard is gonna be your in-between the 20s, guys, until we know a little bit more about how he's gonna be filling in in this offense. He had a sluggish start, but Again, he's young, so I, I think this came as a surprise not only to you know Christian McCaffrey, but to everybody, so it's going to be a volume play. I don't absolutely love it, but it's necessary. It is necessary to go pick up Chuba Hubbard, especially if you are the Christian McCaffrey manager. You might have to spend a pretty penny on your fab, and I'm sorry about that, but these things happen. It's the NFL and it's injuries. So he did have 11 carries for 52 yards. Interesting. He also had five targets, three receptions for 27 yards. I understand that Tommy Tremble, the tight end, was the one that uh, got the touchdown. And like I said, Royce Freeman is still there. There's also DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, and there's other assets that are there. But they still need to have a solid run game. So Chuba Hubbard is going to be your volume play, 25% rostered. He's kind of the obvious one. And I mentioned Royce Freeman, and like I said, I don't really love that one unless you're in deep leagues and you're very, very desperate. 1% rostered. Meh. They play Dallas, Philadelphia, and Minnesota. It's not great, but again, it's not horrible, and this is purely volume for Chuba Hubbard. And then moving right along back to the Raiders, I feel like all of my videos and my shows are about Sin City. I think I need to plan a trip to Vegas, just because. But Peyton Barber, okay? I kind of laughed at this one, too. Maybe I'm just a very cynical person. I have no idea. But he is 7% rostered, and um, he did not impress me in week two at all. Uh, but he ended up changing my mind. He had 23 carries. That is incredible for over 100 yards. It was 111 with a rushing touchdown. He also had five targets, three receptions, and 31 yards in the passing game, which is pretty impressive. Um, I think he's going to become irrelevant as soon as Josh Jacobs comes back. Um, but until then, we don't know how long Jacobs is going to be out or if he's going to be on a snap count or how the Raiders are really going to be working this run game. It's very very sneaky. And the running back position, it is very hard to find viable options on the waiver wire. So Peyton Barber is someone I definitely wouldn't mind snagging and playing while you can because you never know, maybe Jacobs will get hurt later. Who knows? But if you need someone to start at the running back position, I like Peyton Barber. And another one that really stood out to me too, which really makes me happy, is Giovanni Bernard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love him so much because he always plays second fiddle. But he really did such a great job in this game against the Rams of all defenses. He is only 16% rostered. And it looks to me like Rojo is firmly in, in, entranced, entranced, in, in, entrenched, I think is the word. One of those words I'm sure is correct. But he, he's there. He is in Bruce Arians' dog house. So whatever. He's the clear backup behind Leonard Fournette. But what's interesting about Giovanni Bernard is that he didn't have a single carry. All of his work, his extensive work in that game came from receptions. He had 10 targets, 9 receptions, 51 yards, and turned one of those into a touchdown, which is awesome. So they face New England, Miami, and Philadelphia. It's not one of those schedules that I super love, but again, if you really need somebody, and especially in deeper leagues, Giovanni Bernard, again, is only 16% rostered, so he could add a little bit of value for you, even in a flex opportunity, but Giovanni Bernard, man, he's like the Energizer Bunny. I really, really like him, and I hope this works out for him in Tampa Bay, because I don't think another player 
in the NFL, maybe besides Jamal Williams, works harder than this guy. So good for him. That was pretty awesome. And then Malcolm Brown for the Dolphins. This was weird. Um, I don't love this. This is purely touchdown dependent if you are very, very desperate because this is still Miles Gaskin's backfield. I understand that there's going to be a lot of splits. I understand it's Jacoby Brissett, who did surprise me as well. But Malcolm Brown, if you really, really need a running back, 7% rostered. Um, he had 7 carries for 31 yards. That by itself is not good, but he did fall into the end zone. I say fall. That's being very sarcastic. He did score a touchdown. I don't like it. I don't like it, but I feel it's necessary to tell you that he is at least somewhat maybe fantasy-ish. I feel that he's going to be more fantasy annoying than fantasy relevant. So just keep that in mind with Malcolm Brown. If you have space on your bench to be able to stash him, then maybe that would be an opportunity for you. But Malcolm Brown is one that I really, really don't love because it's so touchdown dependent and you don't have the kind of volume that we need when it comes to running backs who are going to be able to score you points. And last but not least, another player in tonight's game, Monday night game, is going to be Kenny Gainwell. He is 35% rostered, so might not be available, but if he is, swoop him up because defenses are going to be keying in on Miles Sanders, and uh, Kenny Gainwell has overtaken Boston Scott. So I like him. They play Kansas City uh, and Carolina and Tampa Bay. That is not awesome for right now, but even if you can't get him, maybe someone will drop him, and then maybe later on in the season when they have a better schedule, it'll be, you know, a little bit nicer to have Kenny Gainwell, especially with the um, injury-consistent Miles Sanders. I don't want to say injury-prone, I want to say less than sustainable, Miles Sanders. It would be pretty solid to have Kenneth Gainwell on your roster, 35% rostered. And let's go ahead and dive right into our tight ends, which is, oddly enough, not as gross as it normally is. But the first and foremost right up here is going to be Tyler Conklin. Now, this is a little concerning to me because I feel that K.J. Osborne, wide receiver for the Vikings, and Tyler Conklin are going to be playing you know, like hot potato with each other because K.J. Osborne did not have a great game, but Tyler Conklin had an awesome game. So it's kind of like the tight end and the wide receiver are switching spots. So when you can think you can predict when one is going to do well as opposed to the other, then by all means pick up Tyler Conklin. There are worse options on the waiver wire at tight end position, I suppose. He's only 4% rostered, so he may not even get picked up after waivers are going through. So he may also be on my tight end dumpster dives and streamers on my Wednesday show. But he did get eight targets, had seven receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. They'll play Cleveland, Detroit, and Carolina. Um, Cleveland and Detroit, I love. I love those matchups for Tyler Conklin. Um, Carolina, not so good. Um, but, yeah, Tyler Conklin is just kind of one of those where it's like, okay, okay. Because if it doesn't hit, you can just go ahead and drop them, kind of like my Max Williams pick, which was totally for fun. But, you know, he almost did okay. He almost did okay, but this is neither here nor there. Moving on, Dawson Knox, tight end for the Buffalo Bills. He did this last year as well. Like he have, He'll have blow-up games, but you really can never predict when those games are going to go. He is 10% rostered. He hasn't, he's been a little more consistent this year, but really this game against Washington was 12.9 points. And things, I don't know if that was half or full PPR. I think it was just half PPR, maybe full PPR. Don't quote me on that. But he did score 6.1 in week one, 8.7 in week two. So it's not like he's given you a goose egg, but he does have the potential to give you that. So just be aware when it comes to Dawson Knox for the Buffalo Bills. He is 10% rostered. Um, they play Houston. Kansas City, 
And then Tennessee. I don't love Tennessee, but I do love Houston, and I do love them playing against Kansas City. So Dawson Knox is another opportunity there for the short term here, especially if you're streaming the tight end position. And then, like I mentioned earlier, Pat Fryermuth. Okay, I see you. And the reason I see you is because you managed to make kind of magic happen. And we don't know how long Deontay Johnson is going to be out. We don't know how long Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be out. Let's say they both play. Are they banged up? Are they going to be on a snap count? Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw the ball past like 10 yards. So Pat Firemuth is going to have to be the slot guy. He's going to have to be the dump-off guy like Najee Harris is going to do, which just makes me love Najee Harris even more. So if you are desperate for tight end, I don't hate this. I don't hate this. And uh, they play, oh yes, Green Bay. I love that matchup at Green Bay. And they play Green Bay in week four. So, man, I might, I actually might go for Pat Fryermuth here, especially against Green Bay. They also play Denver and Seattle, which I don't love as much. But if there was a time to play Pat Fryermuth in the next three weeks, it's going to be in week four against Green Bay. And then another one, speaking of kind of injuries we're looking at, I didn't really hear anything more about what happened with Rob Gronkowski, even though he was pulled off the field, put into the medical tent, and then he, like, came back out again. And I was like, wait, what the hell happened? Like, what is going on? Um, Cameron Braid. Cameron Braid had five targets, four receptions, and 35 yards. If, if Rob Gronkowski is questionable, if he's not going to be playing or if he's going to be limited, Tom Brady likes the tight end position. Cameron Braid is also 0% rostered. I don't think you need to spend any fab or waste any kind of waiver claim on Cameron Braid. He likely will still be, be available unless you're in really super deep leagues. And it is going to be teammate injury dependent when it comes to Cameron Bright. They face New England. Oh, I cannot wait for that game. Revenge. Cue the Adele music. Miami and then Philadelphia. Um, the, on paper, the schedule is really, really bad, but it's Tom Brady. So there's that. Also, check to see if by any stretch of miracles that uh, Mike Kosicki or Tyler Higby might somehow be available. They are over 50% rostered as well, but you never know because if they are, pick them up ahead of all of those guys. Okay, let's jump right into our streaming options for the quarterback position and for our defense special teams. Derek Carr, he's still doing it. He proved me wrong with my fear of him totally busting, which he did not do. Thank you, Derek Carr. At least one thing went right my way because week three was tough. Week three was tough with fantasy advice. I wish it all would go my way, but unfortunately it doesn't. And the only reason I want it to go my way is because I want you to succeed because this is why... I love doing what I do in the fantasy space. So Derek Carr, thank you for not making me look too much like an idiot. Likely unavailable, but check just in case. Teddy Bridgewater, he's still there, 28% rostered. The game script against the Jets did cap his upside because they did a lot of running. They did not need to throw against the Jets. They are facing Baltimore this week, which I do like because Baltimore has allowed the fifth most points to quarterbacks so far this season, which is very surprising. Another quarterback I love Sam Darnold, we all wanted him, well, I don't know about we all, but I really wanted him to succeed in Carolina with the Panthers, and man, he's done really well. He actually looks like a man renewed. He looks like a, a new, reborn person, and, and that is pretty awesome to see, especially coming from someone like myself who has really thrived off of second chances, so go, good for you, Sam Darnold. He is only 22% rostered. They are facing Dallas on Sunday, who have allowed the 10th most points to the quarterback position. Last but not least, let's get spicy, everyone. Let's go crazy. Let's go Taylor Heineke. I know that the Bills put up a 40-burger against Washington, but that doesn't matter for us when the quarterback is still scoring points in 
fantasy, and they're playing Atlanta. Speaking of allowing points to the quarterback position, Atlanta's the worst in the league. So, I really like Taylor Heineke. If you are in deeper leagues, or if those other two guys, or three guys if you include Derek Carr, are taken and you are desperate for some options, uh, Taylor Heineke has done really well. Um, he finished that game against Buffalo with over 20 fantasy points, by the way, and he did not give up. That kid is not ever going to give up. He's also only 6% rostered. Now let's dive into our defense and special teams, everybody. Please remember, do not ignore your defense. Don't just set it and forget it. Defenses are one of the most fluid and dynamically changing pieces on your fantasy roster every single week. It is so incredibly difficult to have that one stardom and never deal with it ever again defense. So stream your defense if you feel like it, because it is a little bit more work, because you have to constantly look for defenses, but they can get you fantasy points. And let's look no further than the Tennessee Titans. 15% rostered, so likely available. They're facing the Jets. Do I need to say any more? Poor Zach Wilson. Um, the Abercrombie and Fitch model is getting fed to the Wolves and just like beaten down with a boulder, and he's like standing back up again and smiling somehow, and he still has his teeth. That shocks me. So Tennessee Titans, I really like. Another one, surprise, surprise, I'm going to go Detroit Lions. I know this is maybe a little stinky, but bear with me. The Lions have been very surprising. They held the Ravens. Their offense was not pretty. Was someone like Lamar Jackson? Come on. It took an NFL field goal breaking kick and a doink off the goalpost from Justin Tucker for the Ravens to win, like with time expiring. That was so dramatic. The Lions are, are legit. And they may not be winning, but that's kind of like the curse of the Lions. I would know. My husband is a Lions fan, and by proxy, I am a Lions fan. So it's hard to watch. But you know what? The Lions are facing the Bears, and the Bears have a terrible offensive line. Terrible. And they're... Justin Fields was sacked nine times. Need I say more? Interceptions opportunities are there. We're not even sure who's going to be the quarterback. It could be Nick Foles. Who knows? And then obviously the Lions, not shocking. They are likely not rostered anywhere. So if you are in deeper leagues and you really need a defense, uh, look at the Lions because I think they I think they could be a sneaky play. Or sticking in the same division, we can go with the Green Bay Packers. They're playing the Steelers. This one I don't love as much. Um, the reason I'm bringing them up here is because they're only 14% rostered, so they're likely available. And Ben Roethlisberger is not throwing deep, and when he does, it's questionable. So there are opportunities for interceptions, and there are also opportunities for pressures on the quarterback and sacks. I want to bring that up. I don't love this one um, as much as I really like Tennessee Titans and the Lions, but I also don't hate the Green Bay Packers. And that's all you have for me today on your Monday evening. So whether you're watching this tonight or you're watching this on Tuesday, thank you so much for tuning in. I am sorry that we don't have our updated leaderboard ready for you. But again, there were so many submissions. It's impossible to get these out really that quickly. But we will have them out to you as soon as possible. And if you haven't done so already, please do me a huge solid and go ahead and like this video. And if you haven't subscribed to the Mayo Media Net, what are you waiting for? Subscribe so you can see my smiling face. You can see all of our amazing content producers, all of our amazing hosts. And then there's Pat Mayo. 
we're here for you. We're here for you all season long. This is what we do. We're here to help you win. Don't forget, sign up at prizepicks.com. Use the promo code MMN. You get your deposit of up to $100 matched. And if you want to come find me, I am Lauren Carpenter, and you can find me at Step on Lauren, and you'll hear from me on, on Wednesday, and we'll talk a little bit more about some more streaming options, maybe some guys who might have cleared waivers, and uh, some dumpster dives, because, you know, it happens. Sometimes we don't get all those guys we want on the waivers, which is boo, hiss. But again, that's what we're here for, for you. Have a wonderful either evening or wonderful rest of your day. All right, guys, Peter Overzet back here on the Mayo Media Network, ready to do a first look at the week four salaries. These are fresh out of the oven. I am recording this on Monday, early evening. So as usual, caveat, lots of injuries, lots of things that will impact the slate as we go throughout the week. So this is our chance to just get familiar with the, the salary, see if anything jumps out. And then, of course, the other wrinkle we have is tonight we have a pretty good game, the Cowboys and the Eagles, those guys are both on the main slate as well in pretty interesting spots. The Cowboys play the uh, the Panthers this week, and KC plays Philadelphia this week. So obviously anything big that happens on Monday night isn't going to be baked into these salaries. And those two games I just mentioned are two of the four games we have on the main slate with over a 50-point total. So we have Carolina-Dallas, KC-Philly, Arizona, Los Angeles Rams, and Seattle-San Francisco. Those are our potential shootouts for this week. Let's get into it right now. I will pull up the salaries here. And we will, as always, start at the quarterback position. Not uh, a ton surprising here on the upper end. We do see Patrick Mahomes is now all the way up to 8.1K. He's going to be pricey, but of course, he does always have the highest ceiling on the slate. We see Josh Allen up here coming off of his monster 40-point game. I also think this tier includes Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. No one needs to spend a ton of time talking about them. If I were to point out one guy who I think has a ceiling to keep up with these guys that might not be up here salary-wise would be Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott at 6,700 in this uh, potential high-scoring game against Carolina seems like a very good spot for Dak Prescott at home here. Um, I know Carolina's defense has looked pretty good to start the season, but I still always believe that a good offense is going to win out versus a good defense. So Dak Prescott definitely checking those boxes for me in that sweet spot there. If we're going to look um, more in the mid-range as well, I think some other guys that jump out is Jalen Hurts. We just know what Jalen Hurts can do on the ground. It gives him such a high floor. Matthew Stafford at 7,000. He is, you know, clicking on all cylinders right now. Finally got the deep ball going with Deshaun Jackson this past week. So I think Matthew Stafford is interesting. And of course you have Russell Wilson as well. You know, we, we haven't quite got the game where it's just gone fully nuclear. You know, the first few weeks it was Tyler Lockett weeks. This week it was a DK Metcalf week. I think there are potential outcomes where we do get the kind of Russell Wilson 40 point game. I don't know when it is going to be, but against San Francisco, those divisional games can seem to always go in one of two directions. You know, it could be the absolute barn burner shootout, or sometimes they play each other tough, low scoring. Normally the tough, low scoring version of divisional games happens later in the season. So I am a little interested in the Seattle San Francisco game with that total, with how many points these teams can score. If we want to flip it and look at potential values, 
I, uh, I, I am hesitant to even say this name because he burned everybody in, in, in week three. And that is of course, Justin Fields. He is coming in at, let's see here. Justin Fields is at 5,200 this week. And look, I, I get it. He didn't perform well. Uh, he only had, uh, 3.92 fantasy points, which almost looks like his fantasy points when he wasn't even starting and just coming in for Andy Dalton. Um, and I think the actual real fly in the ointment here is his health. He uh, injured his hand. He isn't guaranteed guaranteed the starting job for Sunday's game against the Cowboys per Kimberly A. Martin of ESPN. So that will be one to watch. But I will just say at his salary, the Browns were a very tough matchup for him this last week. They got a ton of sacks. I think this spot here for Justin Fields, if he is healthy, if he gets the spot, would be much, much better for him here. Home versus Detroit, who has been just giving up a ton of points. So I'm not fully ready to abandon Justin Fields, but it's one we're going to have to watch as far as the injury stuff. Uh, Daniel Jones, I'll also toss in here. As far as a cheap play, he, similar to Justin Fields, was kind of the potential punt play in week three. Um, you know, a, a pedestrian 16.54 points here against Atlanta in a lower scoring game. I think this spot isn't particularly attractive against New Orleans, but it's just hard to find, you know, values at the quarterback position anymore. And if we do, we want a guy who is going to be able to run the, the ball a little bit like a Justin Fields, like a Daniel Jones. So uh, this, like a lot of weeks lately, seems like we want to get up at least into this mid-tier with the Hertz, Stafford, Prescott. And then if you have the money for it, obviously getting up to one of these elite options sounds pretty nice to me. Let's head over to running back now. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, we see Christian McCaffrey up here at 8,700. It sounds like he is not going to play, so we can go ahead and kind of rule him out. Um, that leaves, at least at the top end, is Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. Again, both of those guys had great week threes. Derrick Henry rushed the ball 28 times uh, and continues to get some work in the pass game. He didn't absolutely smash here, only 22.4 points, but we feel very, very confident about Derrick Henry's role, and now he gets the Jets. The Jets just gave up a ton of running back production to Melvin Gordon, to Javante Williams. I expect that Derrick Henry is going to be extremely popular this week, and rightfully so. Alvin Kamara had a slow start to the season, as you can see here, but got back on track with 20 fantasy points against the Patriots. He's really their entire offense right now. 24 attempts, also adds in three receptions for 29 yards, gets in the end zone through the air. So Alvin Kamara, looking back to his old ways, I do think they're the, you know, the elite plays up there. Dalvin Cook will be interesting as far as where he's at with his injury if the team would potentially consider sitting him another week just because Alexander Madison looks so good. Uh, although I will say Alexander Madison is priced up now a decent a bit. He's up here at 6600 priced over Zeke, priced over Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, Carson Swift, Gibson, all of these guys um, – who have proven track records here, but they're clearly trying to protect themselves against Dalvin Cook being out and Alexander Madison being a free square. So no free square for Alexander Madison, a pretty fair price there if Dalvin Cook is out. But based on his role, you know, he the, the catches are what I really get interested in here. And the fact that he had eight targets last week would make him an incredible play at 6,600 if Dalvin Cook were out. 
Saquon Barkley here is pretty interesting to me at 6,700. I mean, he was basically back to playing all the snaps, getting a, a really full workload there. 16 rush attempts, seven targets. He does find the end zone as well on the ground. And if, you know, the thesis is true that he is back, he's back to being in that bell cow, then he is way too cheap here at 6,700. I'll also throw in uh, Najee. I mean, Najee set the rookie running back record for targets this past weekend, just an absurd amount of dump offs. He got 19 targets. He turned it into 14 receptions. Now I will say contextually Deontay Johnson was out. And I think that led to big Ben, not having his safety blanket uh, in that short area of the field. And he responded by throwing Najee the ball uh, a ton of times. So I don't know if we can expect that kind of volume. I think you'd be crazy to continue to expect that, but it is really nice to get that confirmation that he's going to be that involved in the pass game. And that gives him a really high floor and a high ceiling. So I think Najee is interesting. If we're going to look at values, you know, some guys here that jump out to me, Mike Davis is really cheap down here. I mean, he just really keeps plummeting. Where is my Mike Davis? Mike Davis at 5,100 now. And I know Cordero Patterson has been heavily involved, but at, for this workload here, 12 rushing attempts, he's still getting plenty of targets, six targets, seven targets, four targets. That price is starting to look pretty nice to me there at 5,100. I'm going to guess he's going to be pretty popular as far as cash games, just because he's going to give you that nice floor. Um, I liked what I saw from Trey Sermon. Uh, you know, he did get in the end zone. And what I liked most wasn't necessarily how he looked running the ball, but the fact that he was the only running back on the roster to even get a carry. They did, of course, use Kyle Juszczyk. George Kittle got a carry. They were using some other guys, but as far as the running backs themselves, it was all Trey Sermon. So he was a, an act inactive week one, didn't play much week two, but finally kind of took over this backfield in week three. And if he is a rookie who's getting caught up to speed more, I think we could see a jump in his workload again. So he's jumping out early. Um, CEH was the uh, 4,800 last week. I was doing this show and I saw that price and uh, my jaw almost dropped because it seemed ridiculous. He did pay off on that price tag very nicely finished with 20.9 fantasy points. His price only comes up 600 now, up from 48 to 5,400. My guess is the field is going to be on him. That price is, um, it's probably getting close to fair, um, but just based on his usage, based on him um, getting a little work in the receiving game, as well as those 17 carries, the team just kind of keeps going back to him. I think if they had a better alternative back, you know, they would maybe have to go away from him. But when you're looking at Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon as your options, I think you're going to have a long runway there for being inefficient. So I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is once again going to be a decent play at 5,400. We'll just have to see how his ownership shakes out. I'll also mention Chase Edmonds down here at 5,500. I think his um, production from this past week might be hidden uh, in the box score a little bit just because it was James Conner who got the two touchdowns, but Chase Edmonds got a goal line carry, which he hadn't been getting goal line carry. So getting one of those is huge. Just knowing that the team is willing to use him around the goal line. He also has eight targets, which is just such a nice workload for a back. We're going to get in this 5,500 range. So I love the Cardinals. I think every week they're going to support a few of these guys having great games and Chase Edmonds looks like a nice price there. I also think in that same game, if Darrell Henderson is back, 
He has been basically the lead dog for the Rams. Uh, Sony Michelle was fine, but based on their usage in week one and two, when Darrell Henderson is healthy, he is their back. So he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. And then these are more tournament plays, but I still think DeAndre Swift is too underpriced for his role. You know, similar to Edmonds, has been catching a ton of balls, 11 targets, five targets, seven targets, and getting it done in, in the rushing game. So I think he's always a nice GPP play. I'm willing to go back to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, to me, this is a usage thing, not a talent thing. You know, he was incredibly efficient. 10 attempts, 64 yards, 6.4 yards per carry. He's actually being outproduced in the box score by Naheem Hines this year, but I thought Marlon Mack being a healthy scratch this past week was a good sign for Jonathan Taylor. And I think, uh, you know, he's not someone you're not going to touch in, in cash games, of course, but in tournaments here at 6,300, he stands out to me. And then one other name I'll just toss out. You guys saw Antonio Gibson rip off a really long screen pass. He took to the house for a touchdown. He's still not getting a ton of targets here. We can see, you know, five week one, but then two in week two, two in week three, which puts him again in the GPP play territory, not a cash game play, but always like the explosive potential that Antonio Gibson brings. Let's now head over to the wide receivers. You know, the story of the week has been, or sorry, the story of the year is after week one, we haven't had all of these value wide receivers opening up. Week one, we had all those rookies and now things have really tightened up and it's hard to find value here. So we'll try to see if we can spot anything here early in the week. Let's start with the ceiling guys though. As usual, you have Tyreek Hill, who's been quiet the past couple of weeks. I assume his ownership is going to be remain low because of that. You know, 5.9 points two weeks ago, 10.7 points this week. But there's no concerns about Tyreek Hill. I think it's just teams, um, you know, wanting to protect themselves over the top, trying to limit those big plays. That's why we continue to see Travis Kelsey really perform underneath. So I'm not afraid of Tyreek Hill. Uh, we have Devontae Adams, of course, thought he for sure had a concussion uh, on that hit he had last night, but he finishes with 18 targets, 132 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams is who we thought Devontae Adams was. And then it's crazy to include this guy's name with these other stud wide receivers, but Cooper Cup has earned it. He is uh, the legit wide receiver one uh, through three weeks here. Look at these targets, 10, 11, 12. The production is insane. 26.8 fantasy points, 39.8 fantasy points, 30.6 fantasy points. I keep waiting for you know the music to stop with Cooper Cup, and it just doesn't. He has great rapport with Matthew Stafford. Robert Woods has been pretty marginalized, and uh, Cooper Cup just looks like an awesome play. I, as a GPP bro, I end up not really playing him that much because his price goes up, his ownership keeps going up, but man, it is hard to find anything wrong with Cooper Cup right now. Of course, we have the usual suspects up here um, in the elite wide receiver range, DK Metcalf will probably be more popular than Lockett coming off the big game and $100 more. The public just generally seems to prefer Metcalf to Lockett. Jefferson uh, obviously looks good. And then Diggs, kind of similar to Tyreek Hill, I think is the sleeping giant, the guy who hasn't done much these past two weeks. He's been rock solid. I mean, no game under 10 points, but when people roster Stefan Diggs, they're hoping for those 25, 30 point weeks. I think those are coming. Um, I think they're coming. And so he seems like he's in a good spot. 
If we want to go down to kind of the sweet spot here, I think as always, these Dallas wide receivers are underpriced relative to their role. I mean, CeeDee Lamb at 6,700 and then Amari Cooper all the way down here at 6,000 just seems kind of crazy to me. Again, week one, 17 targets. Week two, five targets. We'll see what he does tonight. But my guess is if uh, if Amari Cooper has a solid game tonight, he is going to be very popular at 6,000 here. Um it is a little harder to find values this week. I think um, looking down here, Cortland Sutton stands out to me. The Broncos are almost like the Ravens right now as far as a final destination with the Ravens running backs. KJ Hamler is now out for the season. So first they lose Judy, then they lose Hamler. I mean, Sutton's competition for targets. It's basically him and Noah Fant now, and I guess you could toss Tim Patrick in there. But Cortland Sutton looking pretty nice at this price tag. Um, I mentioned Robert Woods. His price is really dropping. He's down here to 5300 I think both him and Christian Kirk priced next to each other are going to be interesting because this is going to be a game I think we are going to want to target. Definitely shootout potential here. Christian Kirk coming off of a big game might be popular. You know, I'm going to be looking at playing probably whoever is less popular of him and Rondell Moore in tournaments, but hard to deny what Christian Kirk's doing. And, and back to Robert Woods, uh, I know that all the pendulum has fully swung to Cooper Cup's side, but Robert Woods, I think, is still a, a decent part of this offense. And if you catch him in a high-scoring environment, I think he's going to be able to capitalize. So don't completely write off Robert Woods. If we want to go a little cheaper than that, I think we could um, look at Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle looks like Jacoby Brissett's favorite target. He had 13 targets this past week, even with Will Fuller returning. So that stood out to me. I mentioned Rondell Moore, AJ Green in this game. I think those guys are always in play. Mike or uh, Michael Hardman's salary is up a little bit. After last week, uh, we do have a ton of injury situations to monitor in this range as well. Both of the Giants wide receivers, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, left the game with hamstring injuries, so we could have some stuff open up there. Um, Darnell Mooney jumps out to me here at only 3,900. He was 4,200 last week. He had back-to-back -back weeks with seven targets and eight targets, and then the entire team implodes against Cleveland. But he, for a while there, he was even looking like Justin Fields' preferred target to Allen Robinson, which sounds crazy, but the targets support it there. I think week three was an anomaly for this offense, so Darnell Mooney at 3,900 looks way too cheap. And then, of course, I think we could talk about K.J. Osborne again. He did let people down in week three. He had nine targets and six targets in the first two weeks and then all the way down to just two targets here, but no reason to be too concerned uh, about K.J. Osborne. I think it was one of those things where uh, Conklin was the one who kind of got the production. But again, it's very hard to find wide receivers sub 4,000 that are viable starts. Maybe we see a flash from a Quez Watkins tonight. He could become interesting. Maybe we see, um, uh, let's see, a Colin Johnson. If both of those Giants wide receivers are out, I think he started to get a little burn in this game, seven targets. So Colin Johnson would be potential. So these are just kind of injury situations we have to monitor. But man, the salaries are making it tough on us. Not a lot of value plays jumping out 
Let's wrap up here now with tight end. Of course, death, taxes, and Travis Kelsey at the top end of the tight end position. He is now 8,100. I mean, his box score, I say it every week. It is absolutely insane. Three straight games, over 20 points. You pay the 8,100 for Travis Kelsey. You know what you're going to get, and you love it. It's like going to a, a nice steakhouse, and there's just no, no doubt that you are going to get a nice ribeye with a nice glass of wine and have a lovely time, even though it costs you a decent amount. I don't know if I love that analogy. I'll keep workshopping it. Bear with me. It was nice to see George Kittle get back involved. You know, he was really quiet the first few weeks. He does just miss the bonus there. But the fact that he had those nine targets, um, at this point, I'm just praying for Trey Lance. Once we get Trey Lance, it can be total blast off scenario for the 49ers. Let's see. Uh, other guys that have the upside here, of course, TJ Hawkinson. His targets really dropped. Um, it was kind of a weird game against Baltimore there, but I think the first two weeks are far more indicative of TJ Hawkinson's role here around 10 targets a game than the two targets. So I think he'll shape up as a nice play. And, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts. Again, he finally gets a, a bit of a better matchup here. My concerns are not with Kyle Pitts, but just how conservative this Falcons offense has been. So uh, again, he's probably going to end up being a little bit more of a GPP play than a cash play just because of his salary and kind of the unknowns with this offense. But man, he still has a lot of upside. We mentioned Cortland Sutton as we move into the mid-tier here. Cortland, or sorry, we mentioned Cortland Sutton, which means Noah Fant as well with all these targets clearing. He looks really good to me if you're trying to save some salary at 4,300. Tyler Higby bounced back after a poor Week two, where he only had one catch, he did get five for 40 and found the end zone. Um, the thing with Stafford right now, both him, Higby, and Woods just aren't one of his first reads because he is willing to take the deep shots down the field to Deshaun Jackson. He is willing to make the tight throws to Cooper Cup. So Higby and Woods, their big days are coming. Um, it's just going to be harder per to predict, but that's what makes them such good tournament plays. I think if we go down here further, if we're really trying to find some values, I don't mind going to Evan Ingram at 3,000, especially if those guys are out with the hamstring injury. He returns for his first action of the season and gets six targets right away. Six targets at 3,000 is nothing to, you know, turn your nose up to uh, on DraftKings. So that's pretty interesting to me there. Um, I don't know how gross we really want to get here. Maybe we could toss out Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle, eight targets in week two, did come back down to earth in week three although Carson Wentz was basically playing uh, on zero healthy ankles. So who knows, could be a product of the offense. But man, like I said, wide receiver, tight ends, generally where we're getting our value plays, just not a lot jumping out. But we'll see if news happens to shake things up for us as the week goes on. I appreciate you guys watching. If you haven't used the tools over at Run the Sims, Run the Sims is your next star stop in the process for building lineups for week four. You get your, your first look. You watch the videos here on the Mayo Media Network, and then you head over to Run the Sims. You run the 10,000 simulations, and you see which players are showing up in the optimal lineups the most. And this really helps us kind of sift out the noise from the week, the narratives, all that stuff, and just shows us who is the math taking care of here. Who is the math pointing to as being the good plays? And that's what Run the Sims does for us. So you can use promo code Pete over there, get 10% off any package. And you also get access to a private Discord over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Peter Overzet. 
You can become a YouTube member, gets access to the Discord. We talk all the time about the Run the Sims tools and how to become better DFS players. Thank you to Mr. Mayo for having me. As always, I'm here every Monday recapping uh, a little bit of what happened in week three and looking forward to the next week with the first look salaries. Good luck this week, everyone. Stay tuned for more picks, more bets on the Mayo Media Network later this week. Oh.